Well, good evening. Stand with me if you would. We'll start our service tonight, 481. I must say, you're a little less rowdy than the crowd last night. But uh, 481, we'll sing it out. All three verses till the storm passes by. In the dark of the midnight Have I oft hid my face While the storm howls above me And there's no hiding place Mid the crash of the thunder Precious Lord, hear my cry Keep me safe Till the storm passes by Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever From the sky Hold me fast, let me stand In the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe Till the storm passes by Many times Satan whispered There is no need to try For there's no end of sorrow There's no hope by and by But I know thou art with me And tomorrow I'll rise Where the storms never darken the skies Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever From the sky Hold me fast, let me stand In the hollow of my hand Keep me safe till the storm passes by when the long night has ended and the storms come no more let me stand in thy presence on the bright peaceful shore in that land where the tempest Never comes, Lord, may I dwell with thee when the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Amen. Aren't you glad we have one who keeps us safe? Amen.
Amen. A couple of prayer requests tonight. Um, pray for Pastor. He has uh, an unspoken. Pray for uh, the Hodnets and their building. Uh, somebody did come in and make an offer, a cash offer, and uh, that has not been decided upon yet. So pray for the Lord's will. Uh, maybe they're making a cash over, offer to give it to Brother Hodnett. Who knows, right? The Lord could work in mysterious ways, but that's an update uh, on that. And pray for the contacts that were made through uh, Kids Crusade. Last I heard, there were nine salvation decisions, and uh, we're seeing uh, the fruit of that in Kids of Palooza uh, today. But we're grateful for the great Kids Crusade we had, and Brother Ramos coming, and all the workers with him. But uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, Brother Sutherland, if you would, would you open us in prayer, sir? Thank you. You may be seated. A couple of announcements as we uh, look ahead towards the end of the week. We will have visitation on Saturday at 1030 if you'd like to come out and visit some of the bus routes or visit some shut-ins or follow up on some uh, kids' crusade uh, visits. You can do that Saturday at 1030. Saturday night, men's prayer over in the conference room of the school building at 8 p.m. Men, if you'd like to come out for that. Looking ahead, this coming Saturday, we will have a baby shower uh, for Miss Bree Elam at 11 o'clock. So ladies, do uh, be, make preparations for that. Uh, teens, August 5th, we will have the teen rally at Central Baptist, uh, hosted by the Sturms down there. So mark that on your calendar. That is coming up next Saturday. And then the following weekend after that, the 11th and 12th men will be uh, the camp out at Odor's Lake. So be looking for uh, the release forms for that uh, on the back to show up there. Uh, August 13th, we will have a business meeting uh, for the last couple of months, and that'll be on August 13th at 5.15 on Sunday evening. Then on August 20th in the evening, we will have the Lord's uh, Supper and uh, make plans for that. And uh, we look forward to the opportunity to join together in unity around the Lord's table. August 26th will be another baby shower for uh, Kathleen Robertson. And uh, you can see where they're registered there, but mark that on your calendars. September 5th, school will start. And uh, that's an exciting time. Do be in prayer uh, for the prices and school and just all the preparations uh, for that. And that the Lord would lead just the right students uh, for this year. So pray uh, for that as school begins on September 5th. September 9th, ladies, there will be a conference down at Central Baptist in Amelia with the Sturms. And uh, pray, uh, be praying for that, but be prepare for that. Uh, mark that on your calendars as well. September 16th will be a wedding shower uh, for Miss Jerrica Wilson. And that will be at 11 a.m. And uh, mark that on your calendars as well. And then September 17th through the 21st will be our missions conference. And we're looking forward to hearing uh, from the Lord uh, through the speakers. Make plans to attend every service if you can. And be praying now uh, what the Lord would have you to do, both in faith promise and also in surrender. Uh, but uh, plan for the missions conference on September 17th uh, through the 21st. Speaking of missions, we do have quite a few letters tonight. Um, our first one is from the Lehmans, uh, our missionaries to Thailand. Uh, and um, they say this, as a missionary preaching the gospel, I have realized that my job is not to get people to do some things, uh, but to get them to see something. Uh, the people here have been, uh, who have been bitten by the serpent of sin need only to look upon Christ to be saved from the curse. Would you please pray that I and those who labor here would be, making, be good at making Christ known, and in such a way that sinners here can look and live. In our ministry, I have seen those who were converts of doing something, and they bear no fruit. Their profession of faith is like 
uh, is that of having did something not seen Christ. Uh, we have also those who were converted when upon seeing their guilt and condemnation looked upon Christ. In Cha'am, we have a small group of believers, but I have watched their testimonies develop into that which professes uh, faith in the cross. Week after week, I hear testimonies of people in trials, but their faith in Christ at the cross carries through to their daily life and trial. I am happy also to report that we have a movement of members and some yet, uh, some not yet members who came uh, on a Friday outreach where we pass out John and Romans uh, and witness to people in the streets. How exciting. Please continue to pray that sinners at Cha'am who have been bitten by the serpent would look and lift. Uh, he says... This uh, I chuckle at this title from Second uh, Corinthians eight, uh, verse number two, where it says, "Abundance of joy and deep poverty." It seems like such a contradiction. Joy and poverty don't seem to be a good pair. Uh, but keeping with our theme from above, I want to report that we have seen uh, good success teaching this. Uh, the beginning of both those of the church plants seemed to be with people in poverty. So be it. Part of our challenge right now in a point of prayer is teaching biblical money management. Our afternoon fellowship is dedicated to this. I tend to emphasize the theme that in many cases, people lack money because they just don't know how to manage it. Please pray with us that as we strive to teach believers how to handle their money, that through faith in Christ, uh, this area would be life and peace and not a stumbling block for new believers. And that's uh, from the Lehmans in Thailand. We also have a lengthy letter from the Reardon family, our missionaries in Mexico City. And uh, Brother Reardon says this. He says, Dear praying friends, Xavier, a member of our church in Mexico City, is a chef for generals in the Mexican army. And his wife, Liliana, is the daughter of uh, Pastor Oguin, who for a time pastored the church, which was reproduced from the first church I pastored in Mexico. In May, Xavier and Liliana lost their nine-month-old baby girl, Leah. Leah was born with a very small head and respiratory problems. God has used this loss for his glory. As Xavier was a chef known to the generals, the wife of the Secretary of Defense, who was always the highest-ranking general of the army, came with her family to the funeral and heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Pray that God uses the message and the splendid testimony of Xavier and Liliana to, to work in that family and many others who attended the funeral. Please keep Xavier and Liliana in your prayers. In our absence from Mexico City, our assistant pastor Oscar and our folks at Liberty Baptist Church continue to see their ministries blessed with visitors as well as souls saved and baptized. At the end of May, a young man who lives on the street... Uh, came to our addictions program on Friday, returned Saturday morning, was saved, and continues to attend. A week later, Jorge, a young soldier, was saved. Also that same week, a young man named Yair came, uh, who had come to the mission in <clears throat> Naklopan on Wednesday, came to church on Sunday, and was saved. Two weeks later, Felipe, a man from a nearby neighborhood uh, who has been coming to our church since the winter with his family, was happy to see his wife and adult daughter baptized. Three other adults were saved in the service. Last Sunday, a man was saved, and a woman who uh, had come to church the previous Sunday came back for the RU program and was saved. God has been blessing our addictions program and our street mission with visitors almost every Sunday. And recently, a visitor named Eduardo was saved. And God has been also blessing our addictions program on Fridays at the church with an average of 38 to 40 students this last month. 
In our Wednesday mission on the other side of the city by the airport, we now have two families who take an hour to get to church on Sunday. Another man, Angel, uh, who has a dangerous job as an informant of drug activity for the police and who attends the mission, is now taking the hour-long trip to our church for the Friday Night Addictions Program. God has been blessing our time on furlough with several souls saved lately here in the States. At Gospelite Baptist Church in Millersville, Pennsylvania, uh, where they have a fruitful campus ministry, one of the recently saved servants, uh, students, excuse me, Caleb, uh, brought his fellow student, Caden, to the, the morning that I preached on April 30th. Caden was not, not only was saved, but continues to attend and grow in the Lord. Going out soul winning in Michigan, we were able to lead an older man named Ralph to the Lord who had attended the First Baptist Church of Bridgeport before. Also, we uh, talked to China and her boyfriend, Estefan, about the Lord. China was about to come, or had also come on the church's bus in the past and had accepted the Lord. She was happy to see Estefan also get saved and wants to return to church together. In California, we were also able to see a young couple, Daniel and Karen, saved while soul winning. Souls can still be saved knocking on doors in America just as well as in Mexico. This has been a busy furlough, not just visiting churches, but also studying Greek at Fairhaven Baptist College and studying for and receiving a master's in Christian education uh, through Bethany Divinity College and Seminary in Dothan, Alabama. This fall, I will begin studying for a doctorate in the same field and through the same seminary. Our plan is to begin a Bible college in Mexico City in the next five years. Much time has been spent also this furlough teaching four courses through videos to our institute in Mexico City. Thank you for your prayers for us this furlough and for your continued support for his cause, uh, Brother Clint Reardon. So uh, do pray for our missionaries in Mexico City. Um, let's go ahead and stand. We'll sing another song uh, before we finish our prayer list. 215, My Jesus, I Love Thee. 215, we'll sing it on the first, the second, and the last. 215 on that first verse. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, Verse number two, I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now on that fourth verse. In mansions of glory and endless delight, all Ah! 
crown on my brow If ever I love thee My Jesus, tis now Thank you, you may be seated One more missionary letter before we get into our prayer request tonight um, it's from our, uh, the Hammonds, our missionaries in South Africa. He says, Dear pastors, churches, and praying friends, my heart is overwhelmed, tears in my eyes, and I am thanking God in my prayers for the doors he is opening. I am also thankful for the laborers here in Africa and the many in the U.S. who pray faithfully for this work. The gospel is changing live, uh, lives. The harvest is plenteous. Let me tell you of two Patricks from this month. Uh, Angelo Patrick, you likely remembered the Portuguese gospel lessons that took so long to get to Angola. They are producing fruit. Uh, Patrick wrote and told me of how he is putting ads in the newspaper and also on the radio to tell people of the lessons. Despite lack of personal finances, he is getting creative in finding ways to get the word out. Many have come to collect lessons and are returning to have them marked and to study the scriptures. Patrick has a trip planned next week uh, to the border of Angola, Zambia, uh, to visit a couple of villages with gospel lessons. Mostly he travels by foot because he does not have enough money for transport, but that allows him to talk with more people about the gospel. Some of the students are now asking to have regular meetings to study the Bible with him. Would you pray for Patrick? He has been a faithful student and witness. His phone was stolen recently, and so communication is difficult. Would you pray for the Lord to supply for him uh, his needs as he learns, grows, and witnesses to others? Personal trials are nothing new, but the help of God is something to learn to walk in. Faith is the victory. Then he mentions Zambia, Patrick. I have never met this Patrick either. He completed the gospel lessons some time ago and then began to reach out to others. He now has groups of people studying the gospel in three different districts in Zambia. Last week he made the trip to Malawi uh, to meet with Vincent and also to collect more lessons for his students. While there he made plans to try and supply some lessons for others in Zambia that are asking. Kennedy has been a key man helping with the lessons in Lusaka, but he came to South Africa two months ago. He is waiting on some needed legal papers for his children, and the government here is very slow. In his absence, the lessons have not been able to get out as we would all like to see, but Vincent and Patrick made plans to help with this problem. I love it when I see people with initiative. Patrick is traveling uh, to Lilongwe again next week to collect more lessons um, in Chichua and Bemba for others who are in need. Would you pray for Patrick and his trip? Would you pray for many who are doing the gospel lessons that they would have open hearts, clear understanding, and ultimately come to a true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Would you also pray for Zambia? My hope is to make a short trip there in August to see the needs for myself and make plans for a return trip to work with the disciples there. Yours for the souls of men, Brother Douglas Hammett. Uh, P.S. He continues, my visa, no word yet, but this month we traveled to Botswana and back into South Africa. We had some confusion at the border, but eventually we're allowed back into the country. It seems we now have legal rights to travel to the surrounding countries. This is a great victory and an answer to your prayers. So pray for the Hammets uh, in South Africa. Um, let's take some prayer requests tonight. I'll give you some. You can mark them uh, on your uh, prayer sheet, and then uh, we will take some prayer requests. Uh, pastor has marked for us the salvation.
salvation column. Continue to pray uh, for all those that you see there. Um, under those traveling, uh, please make note of uh, Brother Matt Huddleston. He is in Mexico uh, with the Harrises for 10 days, and he got there safely this morning, so praise the Lord for that. Um, also add to that, uh, Brother Fountain, he is in Vermont with his uh, brother Ken uh, and their sisters up there, so they are traveling. And pray for the Robertsons, Devin and Kathleen. They will be traveling to Michigan for a wedding and uh, will not be here this weekend. Um, so add those under traveling under the military. Uh, continue to pray for our president and our vice president. Pray for Ethan Summer uh, and Joseph Barnett. Joseph is in tech school, and uh, he is going to be stationed in Charleston, South Carolina, after he finishes tech school. So continue to pray uh, for him as well. Uh, pray for Pastor and our uh, his family. As we mentioned earlier, Pastor has an unspoken. He's also asked uh, that we would pray. They are trying to sell... Uh, uh, the truck and uh, the car to get something a little bit more reliable uh, for Miss Stacy, and uh, he mentioned that to me tonight, and he said, you have not because you ask not, so uh, he said uh, he was going to ask and if we would pray for that, so uh, pray for Pastor that they'd be able to sell those cars and be able to get something uh, that works better for them. Uh, the Alexander family, they made it back, uh, pray for them, um, the ministry down there. Uh, pray for Miss Rhonda Burke, uh, her sugar was uh, giving her problems today, uh, and so pray for her health uh, if you would. And then uh, underneath church ministry as well, pray for Brother Sean. Uh, they have purchased tickets to come in September, so praise the Lord for that. And just pray that everything that needs to fall into place would continue to fall into place. As I'm sure there's uh, much more paperwork to be handled there. But they have purchased tickets, and we're excited about that. Uh, as we mentioned earlier about the Hodnett family and their building, um, just pray for the Lord's will to be done there. We're still praying that the Lord would give them the building and uh, pray uh, for his will to be done about the offer uh, that has been given by another uh, for this building. Also pray uh, for Miss Ginger. Uh, she had to go to the hospital today. They think it has to do with her gallbladder. She is home now, uh, but pray for her as she is in much pain, and uh, just pray for that family today. Uh, continue to pray uh, for the bus ministry and that the kids' uh, crusade contacts would come back. And uh, Pastor made a note here. We averaged 170. And we had nine saved over the last three days, so praise the Lord for that. And Mark, if you would, at the top of the next column, Kazadil Baptist Academy. Uh, under health, continue to pray for Miss Dickhouse and her ongoing battle uh, with her uh, Cancer Pastor also mentioned, uh, if you would, pray for the Pringles, uh, Brother Bobby, Miss Wanda as well. Um, he underlined them. Pray for Miss Jan Rice and her health uh, needs. Uh, under Baby Walker, praise the Lord, all is still good. Uh, continue to pray uh, for little Baby Walker and his ongoing health journey uh, as well. Uh, adding to the health column, if you would, uh, mark this name, Miss Angela Carter. That is Brother Rick Carter's wife, uh, Pastor uh, at Beth Haven Baptist in Oklahoma. She uh, had has had some trouble um, and is going to have to have full hip replacement surgery, and uh, that's a little unusual for someone in their 40s. So pray for her and uh, just pray that that would go well, and then uh, continue to pray, of course, for Miss Hodden and her gallbladder situation, as we mentioned uh, earlier. Um, under miscellaneous, if you could pray for uh, the Leonard family, uh, those of you who've been here a long time will remember them. They used to help out in the academy. Uh, Miss Eunice passed away today. And um, so pray for the Leonard family. Uh, they're down in Kentucky, and uh, you can uh, ask Pastor Moore about that. Uh, he will know more about that. But uh, those are the prayer requests that I have on our sheet. Uh, do we have any prayer requests from the piano side this evening? Brother Jake? Pray 
for Jake's neighbor, Doug, uh, Jake's neighbor, Doug, uh, for his spiritual well-being and also some health concerns. Uh, certainly remember him. Anybody else on this piano side? All right. In the middle. Miss Sherry. Pray for the Lehmans in Thailand. They're going to have camp this week. Pray for decisions there, certainly. Anybody else here in the middle? Pray for Dylan. It's his birthday. Pray that he has a good birthday. Wish him happy birthday if you see him. But uh, Brother Elam, did I see a hand over there? for the work at Soul Haven and uh, pray for uh, the printing of John and Robins. They're working on that, 50,000 of them. Pray for Saturday Kids Club. They were able to have their first one, but pray for those ongoing on Saturdays at 1 o'clock and uh, pray that they would be able to find a a nursing home, senior home to get into and have a ministry, uh, perhaps amongst Russian-speaking folks there. And praise the Lord for answers to prayer with Miss Elam and Matthew getting their Social Security cards. And uh, now they're working on their driver's license. So I guess Matthew's been out there driving all willy-nilly without a license. No, I'm kidding. But uh, pray, pray for that and all the paperwork needed for that as well. But praise the Lord for the Social Security cards. Amen. Anybody else here in the middle? All right. Dylan, you got another one? for Dylan and his ongoing uh, roommate situation, and I pray that he has a good birthday, and I pray for Brother Jackson's wife and her health needs, certainly. How about on the organ side? Anybody over here? Miss Becky. Pray for Brother Rob and Miss Becky as they're going to be traveling this weekend. And I pray for her parents and their health in general. And uh, Miss Norma is hoping to be here this weekend. And uh, but pray for just their uh, well-being. All right, anybody else here on the piano side? Miss Twilly. 
pray for Jennifer Twilley. She's going to be starting radiation this week, next week. Pray for her ongoing battle with her cancer. Certainly remember her. Anybody else? Brother Napier. Praise the Lord. Mrs. Napier's biopsy uh, came back negative. Praise the Lord for that. What an answer to prayer. All right. Anybody else? Any other prayer requests? Miss Stacy. Pray for friends of Miss Stacy, the Trangmar family, Scott and Samantha. Pray that the dad gets right with the Lord. Certainly remember them. Anybody else? Just came in. All right. I do have one more announcement. Thank you, Candace, for reminding me. Uh, this Sunday night, we will be having a special love offering uh, for Pastor uh, in honor of his birthday and also his anniversary of preaching here. And uh, so do make mention of that and prepare for that. We'll announce that again Sunday morning, uh, but we'll take that up Sunday night. And uh, for some reason, he didn't want to announce that himself. Um, but uh, so just make note of that. And uh, preacher, any more prayer requests? That's all I got. All right. Dylan, you got one more? Pray for this couple in the car wreck that uh, Dylan knows about on the way to church tonight, certainly. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then Pastor will come and continue his series uh, on church doctrine. Father, we thank you that we can come and uh, come boldly before your throne, and we know that you're a God that hears and answers prayers, and we've seen evidence of that in our lives. We've seen evidence of that in our church, and we just thank you for how you've worked in the past, and we look forward to how you'll work uh, in all of these requests. We do uh, pray for all of them. We pray for those that are traveling, those that can't be here this week, or those that are traveling upcoming. I think of the Robertsons. I think of the Webster's and others as well as they travel. I pray for mercy uh, upon them as they travel. I pray that you would be with the Lehmans uh, and the camp that they're having this week in Thailand. I pray that you would just work in the lives of those young people that will come and hear the gospel. We thank you for all those that came here this week to hear the gospel in Kids Crusade. We pray that you would just continue uh, to use the messages that Brother Ramos gave, uh, that they would continue to understand what it means to be saved and who Jesus is and what he did for them. And we pray for those nine young people that put their faith in Christ. We pray that they would continue to grow, uh, that they would be discipled, that they would come to church, and that we would be able to uh, invest in their lives. And we just thank you for the work uh, that's going on even now in Kids of Palooza with some of those young people. We pray that you would just work uh, as only you can uh, work. We do pray for those with health needs. We thank you for uh, the good report, Miss Napier's biopsy. We praise you for that. We do pray that you be with Miss Jennifer Twilley and her uh, radiation treatment. We pray that you would uh, just give her uh, just good health through that. And we pray for Miss Dickhouse and her health needs and her ongoing health battles. We pray that you would be with her and be with the Haddocks as well and Miss Haddocks and her ongoing health needs. We just pray that you would just be there. We pray that you would be at the work at Soul Haven. We thank you for the good report uh, of, of contacts made and Kids Crusade, Kids Club happening. We pray for this upcoming Saturday and the Kids Club.
club that they will have, that you would just open up door of opportunity there. Uh, we pray that you would just be uh, working with the John and Romans and just all the preparations for that and all the uh, publications that they're trying to get done. We pray that you would open up a door uh, for a nursing home uh, that they could be able to minister there, that they could find some rushing speaking folks and just be a blessing to them. And we just thank you for uh, all that you have done and all that you want to do. We do pray specifically for uh, the Trangmar family tonight. I pray that you would be with uh, the dad, that you would just work in his heart. I pray that you would just draw him to thee. And I just pray that you would work as only you can. And we thank you for the answers to prayer that we have seen in regards to the Elams and uh, Brother Sean and Miss Monica and their paperwork and how they get to come and also Miss Camille and Matthew and their uh, Social Security cards. And we pray that you would just help them as they work on their driver's licenses as well. Uh, so many requests tonight and some that we failed to mention, but you know the needs. And we do pray that you would uh, just work in our lives through answers to prayer, work in our lives in patience and perseverance. And help us as we uh, supplicate and we pray to be faithful in uh, lifting up these requests and those uh, bearing the burdens of the believers here uh, as we share these requests throughout the week. And thank you for our pastor. We pray that you bless him as he's about to come and share the word of God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians in chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. And uh, we are been working through these church doctrine issues and and um, we dare not talk about church doctrine and church what the church is and church government and church officers and church ordinances and, and um, because they are tied and related without um, teaching and, and instruction on church discipline um, get no Joy, um, church discipline is a mournful thing for a church. It is a, it should be a time of um, humility and mourning, and uh, we see it there in verse number two of this. And we'll read it in just a second. Are you are you puffed up and have not rather mourned? Um, and so, just as much as if and when church discipline has to be acted upon, it's a time of mourning. As a preacher, I'm not afraid to preach it because it is doctrinal, is right. Uh, but I get no joy out of preaching on that, um, as uh, it is it is a heavy subject. Yet at the same time, um, it's right, and and have you know if there's any thoughts in your mind that says, well, you know, I just don't think church discipline works. Well, God says it does. God gave instructions, and it does work, and. Um, and and I have seen that, um, without a doubt, in people's lives, and um, and sometimes God takes them home, and and sin won't touch them again. Uh, seen some repent, seen some go on in their lives, and and uh, and that is God's business. And uh, but we as a church must do things right, and um, and I just never want to get the mentality or people thinking that you know well you know, we're like gunslingers waiting to take somebody out it's the last straw but it's right and uh, and it's something that a church should understand for the purity of the church and so uh, let's read this real quick first corinthians 5 and um, it says this it's verse number one it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is so 
that is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Even the lost world knows this is wicked. <laughs> Verse number two, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Um, church discipline. We looked at, number one, the purpose. The purpose of church discipline, and I'm just reviewing from last week, is number one, uh, we looked at to preserve truth. Uh, the church is to be the pillar and ground of truth. Number two, to preserve church order. Thirdly, to preserve purity. Fourth, to preserve unity. Uh, fifth, to preserve holiness. And then to preserve the sinning me member. Understand this, that the whole purpose of church discipline is restoration. That is the goal. That is the prayer. Uh, there's no such thing as churching people. Uh, it's not in the Bible. It's a man-made word. And it gets the idea of excommunication and kicking them out of the church. And, uh, and, and, and unfortunately, and this is why a lot of independent Baptists and in, in churches are just like, oh, I don't think this. Because they have this mentality. And unfortunately, there's people that, you know, I talked to a preacher the other day that I saw one of his recent sermons was this, right? Uh, literally, it was titled, How to Church Him. Uh, and, uh, and, and basically just kicking people out. And um, that's not the goal. The goal is restoration. And uh, we're not Catholics. We don't excommunicate. Um, and we don't, we don't even seek to punish. That's not, that's not our job. Our job is to just follow biblical instruction. And the Lord will take care. You, you notice in that verse there, you know, but them that are without, God judgeth. Our only job is within to, if someone is in sin, to bring them to a point of church discipline where they would be removed, and then God takes care of it. That's it. And uh, they lose the benefits of being a church member and such, which we talked about, but the whole point is restoration. And, uh, and so we don't, we don't church people. We don't kick them out. Um, and, it's, and some people, unfortunately, they almost take glory in it, which Paul says it's wrong <laughs> to glory in it. Um, be proud of yourself that, you know, well, we got rid of that person. And um, that's, 
it should be a great time of mourning and, uh, and, 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 and great prayer. But we saw the, what, uh, the purpose, then we saw the plan from 1 Corinthians 5 and, and Matthew chapter 18. We started in Matthew 18 where the church ask, acts as individuals. If you know someone in sin, you are to go to that person uh, and speak to them. If, they're not li- if they don't listen, you're to take someone with you to or th- another person or a second person with you. And, uh, and so you confront them alone. You confront them with an associate. And then if they're still not listening, they're to be confronted by the whole assembly. The whole church should be notified, and everyone reach out to them. Because it says if they do not hear the church. So obviously the church is going to speak to them. And, um, and you say, well, you know, I've already seen this done. I know, and that's a shame. That's why people give up on it, and that's why people aren't doing it. And churches, you know, have just made it something that's, you know, they, they don't even speak of, and it never is practiced, which is one of the reasons why our churches are struggling the way they are with carnality in it, because we, we have given up on it because no one's, you know, wanting to do things correctly. They, the, the typical, I'm just being really blunt here, the typical practice in an independent Baptist church is the pastor will take care of it. I mean, that's it. You know, if uh, Brother Eric's in sin, well, the pastor will have to go talk to him. And then the pastor will take someone, and then the pastor will just tell the church and we'll vote on it. And that's not biblical. Now, the pastor is a member. He can be one of those persons. But to follow the pattern in the scriptures, right? You know, if, if Brother Jordan knows that Brother Eric's, you know, getting involved in something he shouldn't, Brother Jordan should go speak to him. Now, he's probably going to let the pastor know, and the pastor will go speak to him too. But what happens typically in a typical independent Baptist church is the person that is the offender just, it, it becomes the pastor versus the offender. And the church just kind of watches. Ooh, what's going to happen? And no wonder we're not seeing victories because we're not doing it the biblical way. And so you go to them, you go to them, you take someone. You say, well, I just, I don't, I don't like confrontation Again, you can't avoid confrontation and follow the Bible. I never say to be rude, never to be mean. But if you're going to follow the scriptures, you've got to go speak to people. I mean, that's what soul winning's about. It's confrontation, right? I'm going to look at someone and, you know, love them and try to point them to Christ, but I have to tell them something. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Your sin demands judgment. And you say, well, people might get mad at us. Well, yeah, I, I hate it. But if one listens, it's worth it, amen? We keep on going. And, uh, and, and so there will be, but it, all, it needs to be done the biblical way. So a church acts as individuals. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, uh, we, we see, saw secondly that a church acts then corporately. The Bible says, now we've gone through the three steps that Matthew 18 says. And, and so now the church would then act corporately. In verse number four, it says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together. When you're gathered together, right? When we are come together. Um, again, the church, and that's what Matthew 18 says, you tell it to the church. All right, this is something the church does. And then we said the church acts authoritatively. In verse number four, in the name of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, it ended that verse with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I said this last week, the church is the highest authority in these matters. And, uh, and you know, there's no appealing. You don't, you don't bring other churches involved. Well, you know, I like to gather, you know, three churches together. and let, No, your local church, that's where, that's as far as it goes. Um, now, 
I do want to stop, all right? Uh, you know, someone mentioned this last week, and I, I covered this in our institute classes, all right? If it's a matter of something being illegal, all right? Like they've broken our laws. Um, we, we will not avoid turning that over to the police. Such as, God forbid, but member X has, you know, abused or molested or, or something like that, all right? You say, will we handle as a church? We will. But that person also will follow the laws of the land, too. We don't hide sin. We don't cover up sin. And part of, you know, um, that's part of the consequences is to face that. We'll still handle it as a church, and we have in the past. There's been a, a matter of years ago of a, a extortion, uh, the biblical word, and, uh, and, and stealing, that, and it was done publicly, not within the church, but we as a church had to handle it as a church. But it also, you know, went to courts. And um, so I just want to make it clear, because unfortunately independent Baptists many times are accused and sometimes they have, and shame on them, and it's wicked. But you don't cover up sin, all right? There's consequences there. Uh, so uh, then, but no, you say, well, you know, well, then that's the big thing. The law takes care of it. What the church does has far more eternal consequences than anything the law will ever do. And that's one thing where we've gotten off on our thinking, all right? We don't think you know, well, church is not as big a deal as it should be. It's, this is it in the word of God. So then brought us to fourth, the church then acts purposely, all right? Church acts purposely. Uh, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter number five, the, the offender then is to be removed from all the benefits of being part of the body. Uh, you see in verse number five, as quick as we can, uh, you see that person is delivered unto Satan. It's literally verse 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now you'll notice in that verse, if that is a brother, they do not lose their salvation. The soul is still saved. Right? Uh, they're not, Catholics teach if someone's excommunicated, they go to hell. And there's you know, no hope of that person. Um, a person can be church disciplined, and if they don't repent, it can even come to death but that, that child of God still goes to heaven. The soul is still saved, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So you deliver unto Satan. In other words, God gives Satan permission to uh, act in that person's life. Because you understand this, that as a member of the church, there is an, a protective umbrella that uh, God honors. And to be removed from that protection... Uh, if you want to see what can happen, literally that's not a church issue, but that's what happened in the life of Job. God allowed Satan, and you saw what could happen. I've seen it in my life in accidents and health issues and uh, family issues, job, financial, that the Lord then literally, Satan is loosed. But it's, the whole point is to bring the person to a place of repentance. And if someone is saved, they're going to know that God is chastening them. I've chastened all three of my children while they grow up. 
And never once did I ever chasten them without them knowing why they were being chastened. And if God is chastening a person, they'll know. And then it comes down to whether they're going to get right or not. But we deliver someone. They're removed from church membership. And then in verse number 7, they're purged out. Just give me the biblical words. They're purged out, therefore, the old leaven. Purging is painful, but necessary for fruit. And so they are literally purged out. Verse 9 and 11, we are not to keep company with them. Right? We are acting purposely as a church. Verse number 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Verse number 11, but I have now written unto you not to keep company. All right? We're not to keep company. Matthew chapter 18 says that you're to treat them as a heathen or as a lost man. All right? You say, well, what does that mean? And this is, uh, it, it's kind of, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever done a great job of explaining, you know, what that means other than telling you what the scripture says, all right? We're to treat them as a heathen man. Verse number 10, Paul even addresses this issue between verse 9 and 11 on how to do this. It says there, look at verse number 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now look at verse 10. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. Paul says this, you can't, like, avoid them and never be around them. Like with all the other fornicators and covetous and wicked in the world. That's impossible. The only way to do that is to leave this world. That's what verse 10 says. Everybody see that? Because then you must needs go out of the world. All right? So you can't, like, not, you know, ever interact with them. You know, or else you, you, know, you, you just couldn't live in this world to avoid all fornicators, covetous, and idolaters, and all these people, all right? You say, well, then what does it mean not to keep company with them? Well, it's, it's kind of hard for me to explain, I guess, but every one of us do it. We all do it. I mean, your fellowship is different. You know, I'll just, I'll just choose, you know, uh, Brother, oh, I don't know, uh, I'll use Brother Nicholas sitting there, right? Brother Nicholas's right, fellowship with, with me or Brother Schwartz is going to be different than the, the guy that lives down there in the corner that's lost. I mean, it's going to be different, right? You know, I've been over the Brother Nicholas's house. He and Miss Reba have made me a steak before. I'm ready to come back anytime you want to. All right? Yeah, all right. You know, we have set... You know, at their house, we have fellowship together. We then played some games together. We, you know, uh, we, I have prayed with Brother Nicholas. I've, uh, you know, we've talked Bible with Brother Nicholas. We've, we've sat down at tables. We have talked. And, and, uh, and there's times that we just, you know, share each other's heart or ask each other's opinion. He's asked me my thoughts on something. And, and we share these things, all right? He's not done that with the guy down there in the corner. Now, if that guy... We're to stop and try to talk to him at the gas station. Will he talk to him? I'm sure he would. You know, will he invite him to church? Absolutely. If he showed up at church, would he be glad he was there? Absolutely, right? But the fellowship's not there. I mean, and that's what Paul's saying. You're already doing this, all right? It's just, uh, you know, there, there's a difference there. 
And I don't think like if, if uh, you know, Brother Doug was under church discipline, I saw him at Kroger's, I'm not going to see him and turn around and go, oh. And he walks by me and says, how you doing? There are some religious denominations that teach that. That's not right. See, so what would you do? I'd say, I'd say, Brother Doug, it's good to see you. I have been praying for you. Man, I've been praying for you. And I hope and wish and pray that you, you'll come to church and I'm praying that everything can get right. Love to see you. Now, I'm not going to invite him over to the house to play games and have steak. And, you know, we're not going to kneel down and, and pray for souls together. And that, that's not there. That's what Paul's teaching here when he says not to keep company. The fellowship is, is gone. The relationship, you still know them, but they're to be treated, in, and again, as a heathen man. You know, if any, there's lost people, any lost person's a heathen. You know, sometimes they think heathens, well, they're wearing grass skirts in the middle of the jungle. No, a heathen is someone that, they, God is not part of their life. It's been removed from their life. We're surrounded by heathens every day. <laughs> and as Brother Alexander preached Sunday morning wonderfully, the Lord loves the lost and he reached out to lost and and we should want to be reaching them uh, but we're not to keep company uh, then uh, in verse number 13 it says there but them that are without God judges therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person they are to be put away they're to be delivered unto Satan purged out not to keep company and put away uh, so what is that term what's that talking about I encourage you just to write these down. You can look these verses up for time's sake, right? But 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 says that we're to withdraw from them. All right? Withdraw from them. And 2 Thessalonians 3, verse number 14, we are to note them. All right? No one should ever be under church discipline and everyone not know it in the church. They should be noted and they should be withdrawn from. In other words, look at me, all right? If the person's under church discipline and the church has decided to extend that church discipline, and you're like, I still like him. I'm going to still fellowship with him and have them over, and I'm not going to treat him any differently, and, and, and I just I don't agree. Um, you're disobeying the scriptures. You're to withdraw from them and note them. And in Romans 16, verse number 17, another word is mark them. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 13, they're to be rebuked. And that doesn't mean you yell at them. It means they're to, we should share with them that we love them, but they're wrong. They're wrong in what they're doing. I had uh, someone church, unfortunately, under church discipline uh, years ago, um, in the last 19 years. And, um, and they were church discipline. And the next Sunday, and no one's here, so don't look around, right? But uh, the next Sunday, a family took them out to eat just to fellowship and say, you know, I know what the church did, but I just want you to know we still love you, and, and, uh, and don't worry about it. That was wrong. All that did was encourage a person to go on in their sin. And by the way, the person never did get right. Yes, we reach out to people. Yes, we love them. 
Yeah, we, we want to reach them, but they are to be put away. With John from noted, Mark rebuked, all right? But the church acts purposely. Fifthly, the church should act humbly. Humbly. Still in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 2. It says, in here, puffed up and have not rather mourned. When I say humbly, the church, this should be a time of mourning. And I've already talked about it. I don't have to reiterate it again, but it should be great sorrow in all of our lives. Again, not that we throw up our hands and quit serving the Lord, but it should break our hearts with church discipline. And if it doesn't affect you, it's probably because you haven't studied and, t- and taken the gravity of what's going on. Being delivered to, to Satan and removed from church fellowship and the benefits of being a member and, and it really comes down to this that, and the reason why this doctrine's kind of been tossed away is because just the doctrine of local church has just been thrown away and we don't understand the, 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 the importance of the church in our lives so this becomes a non-issue when you're not taught good church doctrine that's why we dare not talk about church doctrine, not talk about this, because all these things come together, right? That's why this is such a terrible thing when someone is under church discipline. There should be mourning. Uh, also, it should be a time of meekness. Turn over to Galatians, a few pages to the right. Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians 6 and verse number 1. Galatians 6 and verse number 1. It says, Brethren, if a man, Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. When we say the church should act humbly, it's a matter of mourning and a matter of meekness. Again, we, we are, a, a, again, a spirit of meekness. We're not proud of ourselves. We're not saying, look what we did. God forbid, that's pride, that's wickedness. Meekness is... Um, a, a tempered strength. Meekness is gentleness. Meekness is a with a, a kind heart in it. Um, there's only two people in the Bible that are given the characteristics of being meek, and that was Moses and Jesus. The authority was there, yet they never lost their heart for people. Moses could have started over God and Moses. That's what God said. But he said, blot my name out. Save the people. The Lord Jesus, obviously, that's his heart. He literally gave his life for us. And the spirit of meekness is one, not that we're saying, well, well, we church discipline that person. No, it's God, I would do anything to see them get right. Please break their heart. Reach them. It's a mourning, a meekness, and then being mindful. Uh, turn over to the right a few more pages. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. Verse number 14. First Thessalonians 5 verse number 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them... That are unruly. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble minded. 
support the weak, be patient toward all men. Be, be mindful of this, that it says there, warn them that are unruly. Listen, be mindful of them. You know, we're, don't wait and watch their life crash and burn. And this is something, this is, we're warning them. We, we want to try to salvage. We want to try to, to remove from, from the, the path of sin and destruction. And, and just be mindful that that could be us. It's really easy, unfortunately, all right, to look at someone else's sin and say, well, we have the church discipline and, you know, the pastor needs to act and I can't believe he's taking this long in acting. That's easy. But when it's your spouse or your child, you want to really pray and try to reach them and beg them and show them and warn them plead with them it doesn't change the fact that if someone's unrepentant there's a but I'd like to try to keep an attitude that we should treat everyone the way the Lord treats us every time I fall he doesn't flick me in the back of the head and say boy you did it again you idiot he's not waiting there in heaven with lightning to strike me every time I trip right instead we know this about God he's patient He's long-suffering. He's kind. Yet he's righteous. And he's just. There are some things that demand more of an immediate action. Someone does one of these wicked things I talked about, not only wrong biblically, uh, which is the biggest thing, but also legally and things like that. You know, you find out someone's been involved in something wicked and they're unrepentant. But the church has to act. The church must also act charitably. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. 2 Corinthians. All things are to be done with charity, right? You can do whatever you want to without charity. Sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, here's the good news. This guy that we just read about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, apparently he gets right. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. There's restoration. And we read about this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 6. It says, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch, with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. I say the church acts charitably because the whole point, again, is to seek what? Restoration. And when a person wants to get right, what do we do? Well, in verse number 6, I wrote down four things out of this little passage, right? Verse number 6, number 1, when someone repents, when someone wants to get right with the Lord, all right, number 1, we cease all church action. They're no longer under discipline. When they get right with the Lord... All right, we're not going to sit there and say, all right, we're going to give it some time, buddy. Prove it. Now, if they repent, you say, what if they mess up again? Then we'll handle it biblically again. But there's a ceasing of church, church action. That person comes, gets right with the Lord, and says, I have asked the Lord to forgive me in church. I'm sorry, uh, but I've seen what I've done, and, 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 I, and I've asked the Lord to forgive you. What's the church do? 
He's no longer under church discipline. Now, some are just like, well, what if they do it again? Well, then you handle it again. You say, well, what, we ought to have to forgive and forgive. Well, the Lord kind of covered that, didn't he? I mean, yeah, seven times, Peter said. <laughs> ah, 70 times seven, even if it's in a day. That's hard. But the, but, the, but the fact is this, right? There's a ceasing of church action. Verse number seven, there should be a Christ-like forgiveness. So the uh, rather to forgive him, a Christ-like forgiveness. How do we forgive? Remember this lesson, it's so important. Why does God forgive us, the book of Ephesians? For Christ's sake, right? Every time I've ever, when I look up to heaven and say, Lord, God, would you please forgive me? Why does God forgive me? Not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, not because I worked for it, not because I proved it, not because I asked God to forgive me. He chooses to forgive me because Christ died for that sin. And every time, he chooses to forgive. Not based on my merit, but what Christ has done. And when someone offends me, I do not forgive them based upon whether they deserve it, whether they have earned it, whether they've merited it in some way, uh, you know, or whether they've proved it. I forgive them. Ephesians says the same exact thing. We forgive others as God hath forgiven us for Christ's sake. Only thing when someone has offended me and they've asked me to forgive them, I say, all right, did Christ die for those sins? Whatever that sin is, whatever they have done, did Christ die for that sin? The answer is... Yes, so I can forgive for Christ's sake. And, and that, that spirit of forgiveness ought to be there. All right? There's a ceasing of church action, a Christ-like forgiveness. And then if someone has gotten right, verse number seven, we should comfort them. So that contrary-wise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. So what do you mean comfort him? All right? Don't treat them differently. Don't be like, well, I know he got right with the Lord, but I ain't sitting by him. No, because you know what the devil's going to be doing in that guy's mind when he's gotten right? They'll never forgive you. They'll never accept you. They're, they're always going to hold this against you. And if he walks in church after getting right and he sits in a seat and everyone's like two pews away because they don't want to get near him, the devil's going to have a heyday with that. And that's why Paul said, hey, that guy's sitting in your church, all right? He got right. He's no longer under discipline. He is to be forgiven with that Christ forgiveness for Christ's sake. Now comfort him. Treat him like you would everybody else. Amen. And then there's number four, a confirming of love. It says there again, verse number eight, wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. Literally. You see him at coming in the church at next week or after he's gotten right literally you walk up to him hug your neck and say I just want you to know I love you I love you now let's play at two scenarios someone gets right they sit in the church and the church is like I don't know about this we'll see what happens here I'm not I'm not I'm not going there I know we're going to make him prove it. And he says, well, I'm really sorry, and I've asked God to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. Eh, 
don't think I can forgive you. Let, let's see what you really like. Then he sits down in a pew, and everybody's like, whoa. Everybody pretty much avoids him. No one talks to him. No one walks up to him and tells him they love him. Instead, there's complete silence. And he walks out to his car, and he gets in his car, and then leaves. He'll be gone. But let's play it through God's scenario. Person gets right, and everyone walks up to him, says, praise God. We're so glad restored back into the church. This is a great day in our church. This is an answer to prayer. We love you so much. And I just want you to know, hey, you ask God to forgive you, you are forgiven. God forgave you. No way would I ever hold that against you. I have forgiven you. And then everyone's treating that person like everybody else. Hey, no one's sitting by you. Care if I sit by you today? Man, we're so glad you're back. And everyone in the church, instead of avoiding him like the plague, the whole row's full because everyone just kind of want to be around him. The guy's sitting there looking around like, what? And he doesn't leave until, you know, he stands up to leave. And, and you know, and, and Brother Elam hugs his neck and says, hey, brother, I love you. Brother Sutherland says, wait a second. I just want you to know I love you, and I'm so glad you got this right. And Brother Napier runs up to him and says, hey, I love you. I have been praying for you. This is rejoicing. And Brother Doug walks up to him, and, 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 and people are standing. Literally, he has a hard time getting out the building because everybody just says, I want you to know I love you. I'm so thankful for that decision. Everything has changed in that guy's life now. We just do it God's way. We can't sit in our pew and just watch. Church acts corporately in this. All right? And so we act charitably. All right? Then it comes down to this. All right? Purity. This is our third Roman numeral. But purity. All right? Uh, we saw the plan. We saw the purpose. Purity. Um, I'm just going to give you these. All right? I encourage you to write them down. But... Go back to 1 Corinthians 5, because that's where a big portion of these are. But, you know, well, what, what, you know, what demands church discipline, right? Because it's all a matter of purity. And guess what? No such thing as a perfect church. When we get to heaven, we'll all be good then. For now, we all got issues. Every week in our HOPE program, I look at the Everybody, I look them in the eye and I say, we all have issues. We all do. Um, so so you know, what demands church discipline? I guess I just summarize it in this. When someone gets involved in a sin and they don't desire to change. When someone's confronted with their sin, but they're not going to quit. We all do dumb things. How many of you have sinned in the last two weeks? All of us, right? But we didn't like bring up, you know, I guarantee Jen is awesome, but I guarantee she sinned in the last two weeks, right? Probably once, right? That, right? But yeah, because we're all, we all do. Either we did something we shouldn't or we don't do what we should do. It's both sin, right? And, and you know, but it's not been on my radar at all. Church discipline, Jenna, right? It's not been on my radar at all. Is she perfect? No. Neither is her pastor. Neither are you. But when sin begins, becomes prevalent in our life, and we're not dealing with it, and we don't care, and we're just going on, the heart's getting harder, and the sin's becoming, you know, 
a blamable thing. But you look at that person, they're becoming associated with the sin. The Bible teaches demanding of church discipline. I give you some things. I'll give you the scripture verse with it. You can look it up. All right? But I, I wrote down, I don't know, about 10 of them. But not an exhaustive list, but give you an idea. In Titus chapter number 3, verse 10 and 11, false doctrine. All right? Is a church discipline offense. Titus 3, verse 10 and 11. False doctrine. Someone's going to get up and teach false doctrine and continue to try to promote false doctrine. It says the same thing in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. Uh, but they're corrected. They're shown what's diff- what is right and what the Bible says, but they're continuing to preach false doctrine. That is demanding of church discipline. And so someone was to start teaching in their Sunday school class. Brother Tyler, he won't. But if Brother Tyler started getting up on Sunday mornings and teaching the adult Sunday school class and, and teaching that you can lose your salvation. That's a false doctrine. And, you know, there would be multiple people, I hope, that would go to him and say, Whoa, buddy, that's not right. Here's scriptures that show that you cannot lose your salvation. Brother Tyler says, I don't know. That's not what I believe. I'm not. And he gets up next week and teaches the same thing. Whoa. And the next week he gets up and says, I know you all don't believe this, but. And he starts teaching a false doctrine. All right. And if you haven't looked in a while, check out your statement of faith. Something's being preached contrary to that, and they are purposely trying to bring others into deception, and they won't repent of it. Church discipline. Uh, false doctrine. I'm not going to go that long on all these, but here we go. Uh, secondly, a disregard to church authority. Matthew 18, verse 17, uh, when the whole church tries to reach out to them, but it's being ignored, and, and the church is, is acting, but they pleading, but no um, church discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, a contentious spirit is a matter of church discipline. Uh, when there is a person is always in strife and quarreling and arguing and always trying to cause divisions and, and uh, fights and they're always out in the parking lot and always seem to be every Sunday you're getting somebody all stirred up and red-faced and wanting to punch each other in the face. A contentious spirit should be removed from a church. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 11, gossip. Gossip should be removed. A gossiper. It amazes me that every time anyone's ever caught in sin, they're, one of the first default things that they always say is this, Oh boy, I know Kazadel. They're a bunch of gossipers. I can tell you how many times I've heard that. It's not true. It's not. If gossiping was an issue, number one, I would know about it. Two, I'd be preaching on it. Uh, thirdly, the Holy Spirit would like keep wanting me to bring it up in every sermon. Right? It's an issue because I'm look, trying to look out for the sheep, and you know, it's not a problem. No, it's just this. You hate you got caught. And you don't want to get right. So instead you want to point at other people and deflect. And say, well, people are going to talk about it. Yeah, probably. That's not gossip. That's called a consequence to your sin. I'm not talking about in a, you know, like, oh, yeah, not in a gossip way. But if they're coming to you, you know, Brother Sutherland, you know, says, hey, Brother Elam, we need to pray for you know, Brother Doug, he's involved in this sin. They're not gossiping. They're burdened for your soul. Y'all not being quiet, right? That's not gossip. That's having a burden and accountability in local church. Now, if people were getting around talking about and just trying to smear people's names, oh, I'd, we'd stop that. Absolutely. 
And if that was an issue in our church and a prevalent thing, and I know sometimes people are going to gossip, but sometimes people lie, and sometimes, but it's not a prevalent, it's not happening. It's always from people who are caught. Just mark my words, write it down, file that, what Pastor Burke said one time, right? And then when you hear it, stop and say, ooh. <laughs> yeah, because um, it's always that way. Anyways, uh, gossip, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, immorality. Immorality, fornication, adultery. Um, a sexual sin is a very heinous sin. You're not just sinning against your, you know, others, but against your own self. And it is a, a sin that God takes very seriously. And uh, immorality, all right, is a church discipline offense. Uh, walking disorderly, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 11. Also 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 and 11. But walking disorderly, that's kind of a, I'll just leave that as a, you can read verse number 11. Um, covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner. Um, that Those are all means of church discipline. Now, it's not my made up, that's what the Bible says, that there it is, right? But they're walking disorderly, in other words, not in the order that a believer should walk in. Uh, being arrogant, Third John, verse 9 and 10. Um, being filled with pride and wanting to you know, run people off and think that you're something special and, and loving to have the preeminence is the words used in Third John. Uh, but uh, thinking you're better than everybody else, that can destroy a church. Suing other church members, First Corinthians chapter number 6, we talked about that last week, should not be done. If someone says, oh, I'm going to do it anyways, they're blatantly disregarding what the Word of God says. And to me, that's a church discipline offense. They're going to continue. I don't care what you say. I know what the scriptures say. I'm still doing it. Well, you're, even if the other person's wrong, you're just as wrong. Because <laughs> you're blatantly going against what the Word of God says. Um, I was called in to testify. This is sad, but a pastor and a church member nodded our church. Praise the Lord. But they were suing each other. And the judge made me. I was like, what do you call that? You had to come in. Uh, what's the word? Subpoena? Is that right? Yeah, I had to come in. And uh, and I just like, oh, I didn't want to. So I was like, prayed about it. My turn. I said this, judge. It is directly contrary to the word of God of what both of these people are doing. They should not be in a courthouse. They're both disobeying God. And according to the Bible, which is my faith and what I believe in, not only are they wrong, but me, it's sad that you have to, this has to be brought before you. It's a blasphemy to the cause of Christ. I am sorry. I'm apologizing on behalf of them. It shouldn't be happening. Both of them should be ashamed, and, and I, I shouldn't be involved. And he said, you're dismissed. And I was thankful for that. Uh, but it was sad. But suing each other. Uh, next, unfaithfulness to church. Hebrews 10, verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. If someone has just said, don't with church, I don't want to go. And again, sometimes there's health issues, sometimes, you know, military. I, I, I get all these things. I'm saying this, right? I am choosing not to attend church. I could be a church. I don't want to go to church. I have everything else to do. And th this is where it always like, you know, 
this is where the heartstrings are always pulled, you know. Uh, you know, well, that, that's my niece. You know, they, they went to church here when they were seven, and, you know, I, 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 you know they, they're a member of the church. Well, they're 42 now. They haven't been in 35 years. Well, I know, but they're a member of the church. No, they've chosen to neglect God's house. They're in sin. For 35 years, right? They're choosing not to. Well, that's my niece. I get it. I get it. But letting them go on is not getting them right, is it? So, uh, unfaithfulness to church. Second Thessalonians, check me on this one. Second Thessalonians 3, verses 10 to 15. Laziness. Laziness. Someone is has a body to work and they're just don't want to and they're lazy and they don't want to they want everybody else to take care of them that's a sin it's a sin and, I, and we could go on it's like not an exhaustive list but these things God says we're not to eat with them that are involved in these things we're there to remove that to mark them to and that's where I'll, you notice all these verses I quoted around the other verses we talked about. But you're to mark them, you're to note them, you're to withdraw yourself from them. Uh, they're, they're walking disorderly. And so, again, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, Caleb tomorrow morning wakes up and he's lazy. You know, he didn't want to make his bed. That would never happen, right, Caleb? No, thank you, all right? Now you're lying. Uh, you know, but, uh, no, you know, he, he, and he has a lazy day, all right? And his parents have to correct that. No, you will make your bed, right? It's not like Brother Ricky's going to haul him in and be like, whoa, he didn't make his bed. Church discipline this guy, right? It's not what I'm talking about. I mean a pattern and a choice of lifestyle that I am going to contradict the word of God. Now it becomes a church discipline offense. Uh, I close with this. We talked about the purity, the principles. Um, and I'm just going to say these. For every member in the church, the principle of church discipline is and should be dictated by a law of love. The only reason we do it. Why does God chasten? Who does God chasten? His own. Whom the Lord what? Loveth he chasten. We should discipline because we love. That's it. Because we love them. To the offender, there should be the law of confession. For the offender that they need to confess and get this right with the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty close here, but we saw the uh, book of James in chapter 5 and verse number 16. James chapter 5 and verse number 16. Sorry, let me read this to you real quick. James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We, they need to know that if they will confess, they'll get right with God. Right, that uh, repentance. We don't want them to go and, you know, prove it. Climb up like the Catholics teach. Climb up, you know, five hundred steps on your knees and prove your repentance. Say seven hundred prayers and, no, you just got to get right with God. The law of confession uh, to the offender, to the accused. I wrote down the law of initiative. They need to stop and get things right. Matthew chapter number five. But stop and get things right. 
They've got, to, they've got to make a choice. To the offended, the law of forgiveness. Ephesians 4 and verse number 32, to forgive for Christ's sake. I summarize in just saying this, the whole reason for church discipline. And, and again, and say, are we about to do this? Not on my radar. We're just going through church doctrine. And this is church doctrine. And the whole point is purity and restoration. All of God's churches are just that. They're his churches. And it's to be done his way. And the reason why church discipline has been thrown out so much and not practiced is because we got into this Catholic Protestant thing to where the pastor churches people and not, it's not biblically done. It's not biblically followed. And because of that, there's no biblical results. And because there's no biblical results, everyone quits doing the biblical thing. It's like sitting in church but living carnally. You sit every Sunday morning, but you go live like the world, and you wonder, why is my marriage falling apart? Why is all this? And, and so they just quit church. They quit going that one time a week. Because it's not working. No, you're not living according to the word of God. If you want the blessings, you've got to follow the book. And if you want church discipline to work, it has to be done by the book. That's the only way. So we look at it so that we know. And so too, and I don't mean this in a weird way, but young people and adults, take heed. Lest we fall. Say, well, yes, yeah, so and so gets into sin to be church discipline. Well, yeah. And if Travis Burks falls into sin, there should be church discipline. If Brian Elam gets involved in sin, church discipline. All of us, we're all members of the church. All right? No one's above this. All right? We're all just do it God's way. It works. Let's pray. God, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for, Lord, scriptures that give us instruction. Lord, I, I, I do grieve that, Lord, so many have just gone away from truth in this matter. Just doing it man's way. or Lord, help us as a church just to be reminded of these things, to pray we don't have to face these things. But, Lord... Should those times come, that Lord, we will truly do things biblically and then expect biblical results. And Father, I just pray that, Lord, you just work and, Lord, help us. Lord, tonight, if we've got an issue that maybe only ourselves and you know about, I pray we get it right tonight. Or maybe we know someone or we'll come pray for them tonight. Or, well, Lord, maybe all of us can just bow our head tonight before we leave this place and ask you, Lord, just to please help us to be as pure a church as we can and to strive for holiness. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Let's please.